I learned so many life lessons through sport as a young person. I tried to play every sport possible, and I feel like I just learned kind of the foundations of how to treat people and how to show up every single day and how to work with people that come from a different background than you. Hey, it's your friend Jason Mraz, the official spokesperson of the Good Tidings Foundation. And what an honor it is. On behalf of Good Tidings Foundation, we welcome you to the fourth season of the Good Tidings podcast that highlights the goodness in people. This episode is proudly sponsored by the San Francisco Giants. You can go to sfgiants.com for updates on the Giants and information on game tickets, special events, and promotions for the 2023 season. And now, enjoy the podcast. This month's episode finds us at Oracle Park just prior to the Bay Bridge series where the A's are taking on the Giants in this late July contest. My guest this month is the first female MLB coach now in her fourth season with the Giants, Alyssa Mm -hmm. Nacken. So welcome to the show, Alyssa. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So I, I, we were talking just beforehand, and I was looking at your bio. I'm kind of aging myself, um, <laughs> but I was running my first draft as scouting director with the Giants the same week you were born. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess uh. that happens in life, but it's it's so great that you have this position yeah. this young in your life, really, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very thankful. So I do want to start at the beginning. I know back in my free agent scouting days that Woodland, California, where you grew up, just north of Davis, was a great baseball town. Mm -hmm. Was it a good softball town also? Yes. Yeah. We've had a couple of section championships come out of Woodland High School and Pioneer High School, which is a newer high school in in that town. And Kelly Anderson, who was a big time pitcher for Cal, played in the College World Series. She came out of Woodland amongst a few other great athletes, great softball players. So yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And then you stayed local for college softball mm-hmm. at Sac State. Mm-hmm. Was that an easy choice at the time? or Once I walked onto the campus of Sac State, it was the easiest choice I've ever made. But leading up to it, I thought for sure I needed to go to a big name school and play on TV and do all like the, the UCLA tours, Ohio State tours, all the biggest schools that were interested in me. And none of them felt like home. I'm such a homebody. And, you know, Woodland's a small town. So going to Ohio State, I realized that the school was bigger than my town. <laughs> and it was just a little bit overwhelming, quite honestly. And I didn't feel like I'd be able to succeed there. And the, once I stepped on campus at Sac State, Sac State was a place I never thought I'd go. I thought it was too close to home, too small. It was deemed like the commuter school. But once I stepped on that campus, I met some of the team. I met the coaching staff. I knew that was the place I needed to go. Yeah, that's great. While at Sac State, did you have like career thoughts or dreams knowing that softball unfortunately ends in college? Yeah, I knew softball was going to end my senior year. I I didn't really have an interest in going on to try to play like the 
professional league that they have, which is just, it was four teams at the time. I was kind of ready to be done with softball. I was married to the sport for, since I was seven, really, and traveling since I was nine. So I was ready to kind of see what else would be out there. Um, I got my degree in psychology, so I always thought I'd be a psychologist, but I don't really know what, what happened. I kind of <laughs> fell fell out of that that path and got into finance soon after college and realized that I missed sports and I missed being on or around a team, which is what led me to San Francisco for a graduate degree in sport management. Yeah. And you, you land a job here at the Giants front office. Looks like you wore quite a few hats. What are some of the jobs you did before you ended up in the dugout? I started as an intern in baseball operations. So I was heavily involved in the 2014 draft, um, amateur draft and the trade deadline. And my biggest role was just getting together and putting together scouting reports of the opposing teams we were facing and organizing them in a way that like Buster liked to read them and Ron Wotus and the coaching staff. So it was really fun. And as an intern, you're kind of just an assistant to everybody in the department. So I got a really good feel of kind of how a professional team is run. So I felt like it was just a great overview, like a crash course in Major League Baseball. And then I traveled a bit after my internship and finished my degree and then worked in the fitness world for a bit. Did a little bit of some like contract work with the Giants and helping build out the Mission Rock plant, which is right across McCovey Cove and getting it on the November 2015 ballot. So that was just a really interesting um, role in, in, in politics. And I don't see myself getting back there anytime soon. And then I went more towards the business side of the organization and, and ran the giant race and some other like health and wellness events and initiatives for the team, which is a big passion of mine. And I felt like I was a small business owner with the safety net of a wonderful big organization below, like under me. So it was a good, good experience. But I always knew that I'd want to get onto the field at some point. And when Farhan joined us in 2019, and I got to learn a little bit more about his leadership and his vision for like, kind of what he wanted to bring to this organization. And then later that that year after the season, he hired Gabe Kapler and Cap's biggest goal was to hire a very diverse coaching staff. And I just, you know, was very interested in learning more about the roles that were open and working alongside him. I just want to go backwards to the to the USF sports management program. We run into a lot of people that go to that yeah. through that program. Do you when you went there, did you even have sites? Okay, this could take me to this. I when so I remember one of the first projects you do in that program is kind of write out like what your five-year plan is. And I'm so bad at that because um I'm such like a let's live in the <laughs> present moment and have a plan, but like be super adjustable and adaptable. I wrote my paper on being an athletic director for a D1 college. So very different than what I'm doing now. It really wasn't until I started to work for the USF baseball team that I wanted to work in baseball and work with one specific team as opposed to a, an entire athletics department. And once I was working for USF and I saw some of these internships open up with the Giants, I knew I wanted to be here. Yeah. And so tell us how Gabe Kapler sets his sights on you to become the first female coach in MLB history. Mm, so I can only speak from my perspective. It's probably <laughs> a question like that's better suited for him directly. But I think what he appreciated and he'll bring it up often is like, 
I was kind of fearless in just going up to him and one, like checking in on how he was doing because when he was hired, you know, we had Bruce Bochy here for such a long time and, you know, future Hall of Fame manager. And those are some pretty big shoes in a very passionate city to fill. So Cap was faced with, quite honestly, like a lot of scrutiny. And I call it like... <laughs> a little like apology tour that he went on to talk with almost every single season ticket member. And he would meet with them in like small groups every night that off season. And I went to every single one just to be like, what is going on? (laughs) And I wanted to just hear a little bit more about his philosophy and hear how he was answering some of these really tough questions that these fans were asking. And I think just being around, it was, you know, like out of sight, out of mind. I made sure I wasn't out of sight. But I think he was just looking for somebody that was driven and an ultimate team player and somebody that could come in and really positively impact the clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah. He does seem like, well, one, he seems like a great delegator because you have a very large coaching staff and definitely someone who's very in tune with current social climate. Yes, that is a very good description of, of who he is. I think he's what's what really is the most intriguing thing about him to me is the fact that he wants to be surrounded by people that are going to challenge him all the time in every aspect. He's not about like conforming to people or having people conform to him and sit around people that are just going to be in agreement with him on everything. So I love our meetings because they're kind of heated, but it's all so that we can make sure we're getting to the very best decision for our team. Yeah. Yeah. So he offers you the job. How fast did you say yes? Or did you need a moment to let it sink in? (laughs) What I remember is like, I was like, yeah, duh, like, of course. But I think like legally he needed it in writing. So he had to follow up the next day and be like, I'm sure like yesterday it was kind of a lot. Can you confirm that you're like accepting this position? And I was like, of course. Like, and I I didn't even, you know, I, I just knew that I wanted to take this next step. It wasn't about the job title or anything for me. It was, it was more about like the work I was going to be able to do and this new like, shift in in my own career and being able to work alongside somebody that I thought and still think is a very influential person. Yeah. So who's the first person you call when uh, this happens? I called my husband, my now husband. <laughs> I called him. It was, a, it was a Saturday. So he's a baseball coach, a youth baseball coach. He was on the field and he just started to, to scream. And he always knew that he he knew that I was going to be doing something like this the moment that we, we met 10 years prior. And so he wasn't like <laughs> shocked, but I was very shocked. And of course, number two, I called my parents. Yeah. And then this, the really the first thing that pops in your mind, are you thinking, I mean, it's got to be a thousand things that go through my mind. Like, one, I got to set the path and the trail for other women to follow me. I've got to earn credibility with players. I mean, all these things are going through your mind, I guess. Yeah, it was not so much like the, the like, quote unquote, trailblazing part. Like, that really wasn't, because Cap and I never talked about my gender or anything. It was more about, like, the impact that he wanted to create amongst his coaching staff for our clubhouse. So the things that were going through my mind was I need to just meet these players like ASAP before spring training gets going and start to build that relationship and build all of those relationships and the trust because it was a whole new coaching staff. It wasn't just one new person. So it was a new coaching staff, new manager. And we had, you know, Evan Longoria, Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, who have been here for a very long time, veteran players that have 
decorated careers. And so I think I was very intentional about ensuring like all of us were going to be very mindful of how we were going to approach these players as we started out that 2020 season. And do you have a future vision or dream for yourself in the game? Like I mentioned earlier, the the five-year plan like person, that's just not not me. I love what I'm doing here. I love the people that I work with, and I love being able to come to a ballpark every single day. And the thing I love most about my role is that it's not specific to just one area. I get to wear a lot of hats, and so I think it's really interesting. You're looking across a lot of staffs in the league and staffs are growing and the bench coach role and just like that trajectory to managerial role is just very enticing to me. I'm kind of somebody that's always loved to wear a lot of hats. So, you know, if, if I could do what I'm doing now for the rest of my life, I think I'd be pretty content, but I'm also like up for adapting and adjusting. Yeah. Let's talk about your duties. Like in spring training before the game starts that first couple weeks, what would a day look like for you in spring training, early spring training? Spring training is my favorite part of this role. I love spring. It's my favorite part of the season. So I work very closely with Kai Correa, a bench coach, on developing what our schedule looks like. So we start planning that. We start to kind of like brainstorm it in December like prior to spring and then in January, meet with all of our coaches and just make sure we're not missing anything and how people want the schedule run. And we work together on that. So it's kind of like a lot of administrative stuff. But those those few weeks leading into into games, we're just designing like our workouts. And there's a lot of people that come through spring those first few weeks. It's like 70 plus guys. So there's a lot going on. And a big part of it is just let's get to know these players. Let's kind of set set the tone and understand what our messaging is going to be that season. And then a day like today, we're sitting here uh, four hours before game time. What would, what will you be doing today? Yeah. So I had a couple meetings prior to this and we're going to have some guys out here early for some early hitting. So I'll be out here for that. I have a couple meetings with some people in our SNC department and then a front office meeting in between early hitting and like defensive work. So our defensive work, we do that just right before BP. So then we just melt into BP. So be out here for that and then try to eat somewhere in between then and get all of our positioning dialed in and then it's game time. And when the gates open, how aware are you of young girls coming Mm. up to the edge, saying your name, even in other cities? I know you want to beat the opponent, but you have to be aware of, hey, you know, I I should probably take some time and... Totally. Yeah. So I try to balance that for sure. Quite honestly, just being very transparent. It can be a lot like just people kind of yelling at you, especially when you're in the middle of of working. So, you know, but once once there is a lull or a little break, I definitely try to find that time to seek out kind of the younger the younger females and give them some time and and their families, too. I think it's it's really cool just to meet meet the fans and interact with them. Yeah. And I know going way back, the Giants have been a very female forward organization, a lot of great females in high ranking positions. But you also sit as the chairwoman for the Women's Network, Momentum. Mm -hmm. Tell us about what that role is. Yeah. So we started Momentum in 2018. 2017 was kind of like when the brainstorms happened. And there was a couple of us women in the front office that just felt it necessary to create a space for all of us women in the front office to just kind of like 
talk through what's going on and and just have time to talk through what we wanted our careers to look like and things like that. So in 2018, we kind of put put it all together and and we just we created what is now Momentum and it's the it's the first employee resource group that the Giants have ever had and and to this day, I mean, it's still a space for women to to come together and talk through what's going on in their in their days and their lives and their careers, but we try to bring in speakers to talk through like their journeys through male-dominated industries. We do a lot of community outreach. And yeah, it's been, my role is kind of like, I've taken a step back in it now. I'm not the chairwoman anymore since I've had this role, but definitely love that program and support it. Yeah. And earlier this year, the Giants Community Fund appointed you Junior Giants Commissioner, following in the footsteps of Buster Posey. Um, What intrigued you about that? And what have you done so far in this short window? Yeah, we're still in the very, very beginning stages of it all. But what was intriguing to me is that I learned so many life lessons through sport as a young person. I tried to play every sport possible. And I feel like I just learned kind of the foundations of how to treat people and how to show up every single day and how to work with people that come from a different background than you. My husband's heavily involved in youth sports, and so I think it's just in our DNA to to give back and and help the youth. And instead of like pressuring them to go out and try to win all these tournaments, it's more about developing the life skills. So I was immediately drawn to it, and I think I'll be kind of visiting some camps that are going on in the coming weeks and really being able to see these kids and, and really get going. But I'm excited to kind of just brainstorm with the folks of the community fund on how to how to grow the program and see what else we can do. Yeah, as you as we talked before we turned on the microphones, you know, the Good Tidings Foundation has been the field builder partner of, of Junior Giants. And it's been so interesting because the program geographically, I mean, it goes to Reno, to Oregon, almost down into Dodger country. Yeah. And we're building a couple of fields or refurbishing a couple of fields every single year. When we started the program, then assistant GM, Ned Coletti, actually had the idea because he came out to one we did. He says, why don't we put, have a player make a contribution every time he signs a contract, which is to this day been outstanding. And, and earlier this year, we opened our second Brandon Crawford field out in Vallejo. And we're currently under construction on a field in Hollister where Anthony DiSclefani made a contribution. So it's really a great program. I mean, we really look forward to you having you come out to some of these celebrations because we use the same materials, same same mm-hmm. sod supplier, same infield mix supplier on these fields. So the kids really get a feel for what it's like to play love, on a nice field. I love that. Well, thank you for all that you yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. Well, I, I just want to thank you for your time today. Mm-hmm. I look forward to having you out at some of our fields and working together on any initiatives you may have too. So thank you again, and certainly best of luck to your future. Yeah, thank you so much. This is fun. We hope you've enjoyed another episode of the Good Tidings Podcast, hosted by Good Tidings Foundation founder, Larry Harper. For more information on all the good we're doing, go to goodtidings.org.